scripture reading is in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. I invite you to stand as we read God's word. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Please be seated. It is a pleasure to have Jose Marrero with us again. The pulpit is all yours. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. It's, uh, it's uh, good to be back. So it's uh, quite a while that we, are, we are, didn't come to this church. And um, I remember last time that I communicated with bro Brother Fred. I was a little confused on the dates. And we had a misunderstanding because I sent a message to him. And they say, when we did it, and they said to me, he answered back, when I will back home, I will look my, uh, my calendar. And I understood that he was traveling. That's why I asked him, will you travel when I, <laughs> but no. So we are really uh, glad to be here. And uh, I, I believe we have people watching online, if I understood correctly. So our greetings too, and hopefully all those who are watching will be able to come and join us as we praise the Lord. So let's close our eyes before we open the Holy Word. Heavenly Father, here we are in our presence, Lord. We are about to open your word. Please guide us, O Lord, and stay with us, give us wisdom, and help us to listen to your voice and to feel your presence too, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As uh, I was uh, planning to come here, always I will pray to God and say, what should I bring, what message to my brothers and sisters? But I don't know if you remember, but every time that I come, I say I needed to preach for myself first. Because I want to, to, to hear, you know, God's voice. But in one way, I want to, to see what I'd like to hear somebody preaching. So I will never say, uh, say this, oh, I came to preach for you because you need it. I had a very strange experience the other day. I would not say where I was, but uh, after I preached, uh, I finished. One person came to me and we were talking for about one hour. I needed to go back and talk with this person, obviously. But he said, you know, brother, I was sitting there in the last seat and I was thinking, so you know, brother Joe, he brought here the right message because this message is for, for brother Fred, for Olga, and for that person. He literally said to me names. He said, the message that you brought today, it was for that person and that person and that person. And I say, something wrong with my message. Because he sat on the last seat and he pointed everyone who should receive the message. He said, I think there's something wrong with my message. <laughs> he didn't get the point. And, uh, but when we, uh, we study the word, when we read the Bible, can you see that the message is for you or for others? And is we are in danger if we think of 
other people needed to hear what I'm having here. Did you ever heard the phrase that for some people, the only gospel that they will read, it's your life? It's an amazing phrase. You know, but it was a scary thought because I will repeat myself here. I know, but every time that I come to this church, I say, listen, it's easy to be seven-day Adventist church on Saturday morning in the church. We have a dress code. We have the way to sing. We have a way to, 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 to pray, everything. But what about another six days? In that, what matters more is the six days, the seventh in the morning. Everybody's perfect. But in another days, in our work, in the school. So, and as I, I, I was coming, I, I heard a very interesting story, like one week ago or two weeks ago. And I was in one side laughing, smiling, but in another side I started thinking about the story. So, it's a, in one way it's a fiction, but in another way it could happen. Did you ever think... What you gonna do when you go to heaven? What people you meet, and if you meet some people there, you're gonna ask a few questions. So, this happened in the future. The people are in heaven, many people there, and they start talking with you all. Hey, where you come from? And say, oh, I was a Muslim. I, I met Christ. Oh, right here. Another say, oh, I was a martyr, so I was killed by the faith, and I came here, and. And what about you? Oh, I was a missionary somewhere, and I was preaching there, and I, I did these things, and I'm here. Then they will come to a man and they say, what about you? How, what did you do? And say, I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't do anything. And they ask him, do you know where you are? Say, I, I believe it's a, it's a heaven, it's a paradise. Say, yes. But you don't know how you got here? Say, no, I don't. So, did you preach to somebody? Say, I no. Uh, did you die as a martyr? Say, no, I did not. Did you give Bible studies? Say, I I didn't. Say, you don't know how you came here. Say, no. Actually, what happened to me is, I was down on earth, and I was, and so what's your profession? I was a thief. You were a thief. Yeah, I didn't have a profession. I had a bad life and I was a thief. And what happened next then? Well, I got a cut for my crimes. You say, really? Yeah, and I end up, they killed me because that was the capital penalty for in those days. If you're a thief, you got a cut, you're going to have killed. See how you end up here in heaven then? Actually, in the day that I was... I was dying, there were, with me, we would be three men to be put in, in one cross. That was the capital punishment in those days. And they put three of us in the cross. And then I realized that the man in the middle, he didn't do anything. And I look at him and I say, can you remember me when you go to paradise? And that man say to me, Believe me, you'll be with me in paradise, and I'm here. Can you imagine if you could have that conversation? But what does it say? That's why when I brought the message today, it's 
the message that the title is when God says what to do. Sometimes sounds so strange and that's a, now it's not possible to be God's voice. Some people expect sometimes to have great, great things that come a thunder from heaven and say, choose you to be a, my missionary somewhere or in another country, in another place. But sometimes God say to you, listen, and I know you, you, you did already. I wanted to open those doors in the back and have a food pantry there. People will come around. I will send people to you. I will send the people to you and you share the gospel. And some people may think, but it is so simple. Yeah, our God is a God of simple things. And we have a story to share today in 2 Kings chapter 5. Please leave the Bible open there. This story is well known. Well known. But I will tell you that every time that I go read and say, I missed this part the last time. I miss it, and I have something, something always new. So in chapter uh, five, Second Kings, he's telling a story about uh, Naaman, right? This was one man with some uh, health issues. But here's the the thing: this man got absolutely everything that a person could consider to be a successful. He had a successful life. He was, according to the Bible, the right hand of the king. Okay? He had a family. His position was the highest position probably in the kingdom. So if his position was, you know, the greatest position in the king, we must assume that he was a rich man. So he had absolutely everything on earth that a man could desire, except there was a problem, except one little problem. It reminds me even of what when the, uh, uh, Jesus said a phrase, what matters if a man gain the whole world? It was his soul. So in verse 1 says, now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Adam. He was a great man, the sign of his master, and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Adam. He was a valiant soldier. If you would finish that, would be perfect. You know? I would say very um, condecorated uh, soldier, high position, next to the king, rich, and yet there was one little thing in his life. How the, how the verse finish? He had what? Leprosy. We may not understand in our days what that means, the situation, but in those days leprosy there was no cure for it. There was absolutely no cure. So would start with a little thing, with a little thing in the, in the skin, and would spread, but would spread deep in the skin. It was not like a skin disease like we could imagine. It was not. It was something worse because it would go penetrate 
and skin. And after a while, you remember what would happen? Even the limbs would fall, you would lose the fingers, a face will be deformed. That was the way. So this man, Naaman, he had absolutely everything. Did you hear the phrase, uh, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have health? I heard a while ago, and I forgot who was the person uh, in here in the US. He, this man was rich. He ran to, be, to become one of the richest men, but when he finally got what he wanted, he got a sick. So he had to spend all the money to try to get health back. And I know it by experience. When you lose your health to get back, it's not that simple if you get it. So, and here we have a strange situation when you go to verse 2. Now, bands of raiders from the country of Naaman had gone and taken a captive young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Now, here's a quite a very interesting story. So this man, Naaman, was on this country, Aram, some translations say Syria, and they were enemies or friendly with Israel. They were enemies, right? Syria, they were in that moment the most threatened enemies to Israel. So in one of those, those days, some, uh, 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 the Bible says raid, they got a captive, one little girl from Israel. What do you expect the girl should do? Probably, I would say, when, when the Bible says a little girl, I must assume she must be less than 15, a little more than 11 or 12. That was the person. You know, that was this, uh, this little girl. And she was a captive from the land she was, she was taking from the land where supposedly they believe in God to a land of the enemies who did not believe in God. And she was a slave there. What do you expect on a child with 11, 12 years old? What's going to happen to her? I look to my my child, my daughter, she's 13, and she knows it. I will tell her she knows. I cannot live away from her two, three days. No way. Sometimes I play, so you're going to visit grandma and stay for a month or two months or three months there. But I'm so glad that she says, no, I'm not going. And I cannot imagine to be away. But think the opposite side. What she would be in the strange country, strange land, without speaking the language, and as a slave and working. You would expect that she would be very sad. Would she trust God? Would she trust the God of her parents? I needed to believe it, that they taught her well. Because when you go to the next verse, the verse 3, what does she say to a place, on the place that she's a slave, a place that she was captive, a place of Probably she didn't expect to go back. What does she say to her, to her mistress? She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, 
He would care, he cure him. Wow, what a missionary this girl. Only, I don't know, I'm assuming 12, 13 years old. If, if my master would be in the land where I was taken captive, in the land where my parents are, in the land where maybe I will never go back, if my master go there, what's going to happen to my master? He will be cured. Do you think she had a, a revenge spirit? I don't think so. Do you think she was desired that her master would die? If she would, she would look at him and say, I know what the end, the outcome. Leprosy means death, so you're going to die. I don't care about you. You took me from my land. She said, if my master will go there. And um, this is why I, I will give as a suggestion, okay? When you read the Bible, read verse by verse and very carefully. So now the little girl tell her mistress what Naaman did. Did he believe this little girl? According to verse 4, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. What was the behavior of this girl in this house? What do you think? She must have shown to them how she was. She was a believer because to the point that remember the right hand of the king to trust a little girl 13 12 years old she must have shown something for me i have to, uh, uh, something in this verse one for instance of course her parents taught her well but in another call my attention am i teaching my kids well to this point that even without me without mommy by themselves they will behave as the God believers. It's a call of attention, don't you think? Because the master, Naaman, this high uh, condecorate, maybe, I don't know, a general or right hand of the king, he believed what the little girl said. He believed it. So he went to, to the king, and, and the king of course, he had this many in very high consideration. What the king did? Verse 5. By all means, go. I trust you. You know, whatever you have done for the country, you know, I, I believe. So the king of Aram replied, I will send you a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten thousands of silver, 6,000 shacks of gold and 10 uh, sets of uh, clothing. Yeah. He took whatever he is poss was possible and he said, okay, if I'm going to get cured, I need to pay for I will do any means necessary to have my health back. You'll do whatever it takes, right? I don't know if anybody has in this... A situation when you're not feeling well, but you do whatever it takes. And this man, he did whatever was possible. And yet, verse 6, he took one official letter, one, a letter from the king, an official letter. Say, this is the situation. So the king wrote in the letter. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, 
read, with this letter I am sending my servant Naaman so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Did you see there was a little twist here on the story? So the little girl said to him, you needed to go to where? To the king? To the government? Or he said, she said specifically, she gave a right instructions. And the instructions were simple. Go to the prophet, the Samaria. So he asked permission for his, his master, the king. And what the king says, go to the king. Go to the king Israel with a letter and say, I want you to cure my servant. It's quite an interesting, <laughs> interesting statement. It's like we are here in the country and somebody, uh, I don't know, uh, a general from from United States, he is, is sick and he say, well, you know what? I, 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 the general says, well, I have a way to be healed. And let's use a term, China, we use China here. And they say, I want, I heard that there, there is a medication, special medication season there. And uh, I think it can happen. He said, okay, Mr. Joe Biden, write a letter to Xi Jinping and say, as soon as I, I send my general, I want you to cure him. <laughs> what do you think that the China president would do? Are you, are you out of your mind? I can't, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I, and even if I was, why would I, I do this? So that was the, the interesting uh, twist. Also, we see in this letter that the kings consider that the prophets and, you know, whatever uh, people, religious people, they were in the command or at the hand, or the well being, the kings would decide who would be, um, what they would do. Even the kings should command the prophet what to do. That was the king of Syria was thinking about. So when they sent, you know, when the Naaman went his way to the king of Israel, what was the reaction <laughs> of the king? So if you come to a Verse 7 is almost what I describe. If we would do the same thing with the king of another country that were not friendly. So the verse 7, what says, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he, he got in this in, in desperation. I, I think that those days the people were kind of, uh, um, how how say that, uh, they would do too much, too much show off. I don't know, maybe he was in, uh, there was some uh, port going uh, in his house or something, and he tore his clothes, whoa, what can I do? They were kind of exaggerating things, but it, this is what he did. As soon as the king read the letter, he tore his robes. He tore his robes. And then he says some phrase, am I God? Can I kill and I bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy. So he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Basically he's saying, well, what he's trying to find a way to come here and to fight with us. It would be, it, it is a normal uh, answer, I guess. But this is something that he did in public. Oh, this is scandalous. That was the word that I was looking for. It's scandalous. Oh, what is, what is going on? 
And there is another thing that we need to be careful. I wanted to open a little a stop here. Brothers and sisters, be careful. When you have a situation, you have a problem, it doesn't matter what kind of problem, and you think that the government can take care of your problems. We should never think this way. God can take care of everything. It's not what we studied in the lesson today in the morning. He knows when I sit down, He knows when I go to sleep, and now when I wake up, would not He take care of those things that it seems important for us, but for God it's so little things. So, when we move on. And then, all these things uh, happen. In the verse 8, we see that the uh, king of Israel, it was kind of public uh, scandal what, what he did. Everybody saw in the city, probably in Samaria, people saw, say, hey, what's going on with the king? And they start talking about, commenting about. And the verse 8 says that what king was doing came to the right place. Remember what the little girl said? You go to the prophet. Now what says verse 8? When Elisha, the man of God, the prophet, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robe, he sent this message. Why have you done this? Why? Why have you done this? You should behave better. You are a king. Behave better. Why have you torn your robes? Send the man to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So li listen carefully this part of the verse. Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Why he didn't say, and you will know? Because he should know, but he didn't. He should Elisha was very, very close to the king, right? And the king didn't recognize him as a prophet. And now Elisha said, send the man to me and he will know. He will know. And here's a very interesting thing. The verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. I try to imagine these men, you know, he must live in a palace, Naaman, he must have a big house. He had servants, you know, maybe he, he had a high position. Now he comes to this house. How do you imagine a prophet's house? How do you imagine a prophet's house? It must be simple. But also, it was a prophet that was not recognized by the king. It was a prophet that people didn't like him. Because he always, uh, always preached about repentance. So must be a simple house. And now come this powerful man with the horses and the chariots and, uh, I don't know, dressed uh, in the dress code, probably dressed well with his insignia, saying the battles had he fought and with his swords and speed, all that stuff. So he came to this humble house. I'm I, I wondering, did he have 
a second thought. So this is the I went to the king. King was insane, crazy, tore his clothes. And now I come to this place. Anyways, so Elisha sent a very difficult task for him or a simple task. So what says the verse 10? Elisha sent a messenger. He was, Elisha was probably doing so. I needed to write some, uh, you know, I copied some uh, pergam and I needed to write something here about the words of uh, Elisha before and Moses. So I'm kind of busy to say, listen, uh, Fred, come here. Please go, go tell the guy, uh, go wash the river seven times, it will be fine. I'm kind of busy here. Is this what uh, Elisha did? Actually, it is. <laughs> if you read in the, in the, the verse 10, say, Elisha sent a message. Didn't bother himself to go there. Send a message. Go. Wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. What would you do? What would you do? So, would you go? It's like... That's it. So I came with the, all my this. Uh, I have money. I have gold, clothes, and all this stuff. I am a high commander in the in the army, and I have this important position. And this prophet didn't bother to come meet me. He didn't come to talk to me. Who do you think he he is? Huh? Who do you think? So come on, that's not possible. Sometimes God will give a suggestion to us, I will say suggestion, because he does not push us to do something. It seems too simple, too simple to follow. And then you say, oh, I was expecting something else. I was expecting great, great things. But God asks something simple. And here what happened? with uh, 11. Remember, Naaman was a person, was a man just like us. His reaction, probably brothers and sisters, would be the same that we would have. We need to be careful to that. They, they judge him. We know the story now, but we, he didn't know anything. Did he ever uh, listen or heard about, did he ever saw somebody go wash in the, the Jordan River and be clean? Did he ever heard about this? Nope. He never Saw something like this happen. You know? In Naaman, he reacted as we would. He went away angry. And he, he said, <laughs> this part, I, I love one of this, this part. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand out, calling the name of our God. Now I call to Yahweh. And you be healed. Exactly these were his words. That he would come, call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of the leprosy. When God asks you to do something, sometimes you are thinking, so I want God to talk to me in this way. It's not. I'm struggling now. I am trying to learn and <laughs> A new language and it is a struggle I wish that could have a way 
that God would put my brain the, the language and I would know it. But it's not this way. I needed to to study. And it's like God telling me, say, Joe, I know that I could do this, but you can study better. You can read, you can study, you can talk with people, and then you can learn. God does things with us, brothers and sisters, in the same fashion. In the same fashion. And Naaman, he was a man. He was worried, he, not worried, he was expecting God to act according to his ideas, according to his thought. So that's why he said, I was expecting they would come, call upon the name of his God, and then touch the spot and the magic. I would cure. And then he comes to comparison, compare the land of Israel to the land where he was coming from. Arna Abana Farfar, verse 12. The rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel, couldn't I wash them and be cleansed? So he came from his land to Israel. How many times probably he bathed himself on those rivers that he's mentioned here? He was there. Did it was ever any sign of cure in him? He was just taking regular bath, regular, you know, on those rivers. Not, nothing ever happened. Why he repeats some something here? Um, I don't know if uh, many of you had been in, in Israel. We've been there like a year ago. It's not, in my mind, it's not the beauty of the land that calls my attention. My attention. It's the feeling that Jesus Christ walked there. We saw desert, we saw Dead Sea, we saw Jerusalem, so many places. I didn't think about the beauty or not the place. Actually, Jerusalem is very uh, mountain place. It's a lot of mountains up and down, up and down. You don't find something, okay, beautiful landscape. But what impressed me, I didn't see, we didn't, we were there for two weeks. We didn't see, honestly, the landscape. I was there walking, say, Jesus Christ walked here. Abraham walked here. The disciples, they walked here. They were walking on these places. And this man compares where he comes from to the land. Now what is in the land? Remember, he's comparing the landscape with the rivers in Syria. They are better than the rivers in Israel. And if you, if you go there now, we're going to see the Jordan River is not that pretty. Maybe the Connecticut River is better than, would you say that? Why I would go to Jordan River if it was in our days? Connecticut River is, is even better, all the way better. Why I would go to Dead Sea is dead. I can go here to Hamonasa, it's beautiful, it's nice, but that is dead. That was the comparison that Naaman was doing. The landscape, in, in his land, the landscape, what he saw it. And of course, we study today in the lesson also, God has a plan for one person even, for only one person. So when we have doubts, thanks God, he will not leave us alone. He will persist in trying to get our attention. Isn't that amazing? So when this happened, when this uh, person was about to leave, 
he was about to go away and they say I was expecting something completely different God whispers the Holy Spirit whispers in one of his servants say listen tell him something like this verse 13 see how close at least this man was with his servants to a point that Naaman's servants went to him verse 13 and said my what my father my father not my commander not my general my father if the prophet had told you to do some difficult task great things maybe go to tibet mountain walking by yourself go any different uh, place would you not have done it if it was something difficult and continue how much more than he tells you wash yourself and be cleansed is it is that any difficult to do that? So, and he was probably still angry. I said, all right, I can give a shot. And uh, we have an expression that we use uh, here in, in accounting. Uh, when we come people to, to us for something, and I say to them, listen, you, the no you have already, but we, let's try, maybe we're going to have the yes. You have already the no, but let's try the yes. So he maybe was a little angry and he said, okay, I will, I will go. So he went to the Jordan River and he dived once. Was he clean the first time? I said, okay, nothing happened. I, I was expecting that a little this spot would become normal. So, okay, let's, but how many times? Seven. Maybe the servants, they were counting for so The prophet said seven. Okay, so the man goes a second time. Was he clean? No. And they say, oh, well, not, nothing happened. It's not becoming clean little by little. And the servant said, please, do the seven times. Third time. Anything happen? Nothing. Then he go forth. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. Five times. Well, five times is more than a 50%, right? I went 6% of the way already. So, should have something. And nothing happened. Finally, six times. No, now something should happen. I went 8% of the way. The Lord told me to go there, but I, I went 8%. I should, I should have some credits. Did happen anything on the sixth time that he died in the waters? Absolutely nothing. And the servants probably in the, in the bank of the river say, please, one more time, just one more time. How many of us sometimes are praying for something and we stop in the sixth time? It's a figurative speaking, but we stop there. When God is about to open the windows to give the blessing, I say, you know what? I knew that it was not going to happen. So forget about it. I'm not praying anymore. I told you a story here. I prayed for my father for 37 years. My mother, my, my, my brothers, we all pray. But I remember, I count, 37 years. 
until one day he gave his heart to Christ. So what if I stop in the 36 years and say, 30 years praying? 36 years praying and nothing happened? My father is on the side? But you needed to go all the way because when the, you pray, when you, more and more you pray, more you're going to trust God ultimately. God will do what he promises. He, he will do. And what happened when Naaman went the seventh time? The seventh time in the river. So, verse 14. He went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. I wish even I could change that. On the seventh time, okay, on the seventh time, as the man of God told him to do, his flesh was restored, it became clean like that. Do you know that God does not, he does not do miracle and have miracle? The man was not restored as he was. How he was restored? His flesh became like. So God go beyond snow. It's not to you be, I don't know, for him to achieve that position, I'll say maybe he would be in his 40s or 50s to have that position. So yeah, he would be like, like me, I lost some hair, some, you know, and getting more, more in white. I'm not judging, but I'm past long gone. But when this man, Naaman, came on the seventh time, if it was me, I imagine he would have a hair again, would be black hair. But also his flesh was like a child. God does not do miracles on half. He always do complete. He completes the miracle. It's not amazing. So, and then how this man came from the water. He was baptized. He was baptized in the name of God of Israel. When he came in the seventh time, so he came in verse 15, then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the men of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God. And here is very important to say, there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Remember the beginning of the story? Syria or Aram, where these men belonged, they were fighting against Israel. Israel lost the battle. So in those days, they think the God of my land is more powerful than the God of that land, right? That was the thought. But these men came, he was a conqueror, he, was a, he had many victories, but he came to the land where supposedly they were losing battles. And he said to the prophet, I know now that there is no God in the whole world. Only here there is God. Only here. So please accept a gift. And he wants to pay for his healing. And surprisingly enough, the prophet answered in the verse 16, As sure as the Lord lives, who am I serve? I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, insisted with him, he refused. He didn't take absolutely nothing from him. Because if he would accept, 
it would look like he was paying for his cure. But I will tell you this, when God does a miracle of life, there are no pay. We cannot pay. Nothing that we can do can repay what God has done for us. Remember this. In the verse uh, uh, 17, Naaman said, Okay, if you will not say, Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth a part of mules can care, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifice to any other God but to the Lord. So this man was baptized. His men encountered God and say, I cannot serve any other God. I will go back to my land. They worship idols, but I cannot serve any other God. Also, when he was talking about the Jordan River, he was talking because the Jordan River is kind of dirty. When you look out, the, 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 the water, they're not clean. It looks dirty. So basically, in the beginning, he was saying, oh, this dirty place, this dirty land, you know, why can I, I, I will be cured here? Now, look what happened. Look how changing his thought to the point that it said. I can uh, translate in this way. He said to the prophet, now let me take it. This land here that I call dirty. This land here, because there is no other place in the whole world like this place. I will take this land. And I will take to my land, back to the place that I live, because there is not good. It's not good. And when he says, I will offer only this who he take the land, he wants to make sure that he goes to his country. And when he has to offer sacrifice, he has to kneel down to the Lord that he has just learned about, he wants to make sure that he is kneeled down in the land of Israel. Can you imagine? He wants to make sure that sacrifice is not from the land of Syria that are better than Israel. No, it needed to be a piece of dirty from Israel. I needed to offer it because this land is holy. Why the land becomes holy? Because when they, God told it to Moses the first time, say, where I stand, where my feet touch is holy. Where Jesus Christ was is holy. Not because of the place or the landscape. It's because where God is, that place is holy. And this man was so deep conversion, what he knew, that he said, I need to take a piece of this place and I will take with me. I need to take with me. And he asked something. It's about his knowledge, the verse 18. But... May the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon, his God, to bow down, and he's leaning on my arm because I am on his right hand, I will also bow. When I bow down in the temple, it doesn't mean that I won't worship that. May the Lord forgive your servant for this. And what Elisha tells to Naaman is everything that we want to hear. Go in peace. It's the, the next verse, the verse 19. Elisha said to him, Go in peace. 
go in peace. This is what we are looking for. But remember, brothers and sisters, for us to have peace, we only can have when we listen to God's voice and can seem to us that it's simple. Can seem to us that oh, there's no sacrifice in there. There's nothing great to be done. But don't need. Remember the story that I told you in the beginning? What did the thief on the cross, what he has done? What did he, did he do in any good? He just believed it. And he went in peace. And this man, Naaman, when he believed it, did he got what he wanted? He got more than he ever could imagine. He just didn't get the cure of his disease, but he got a cure for his soul. And he came to learn about the true God. May this be our, our thoughts for the, for the week. And hopefully, we'll be able to live a, a life that answers for what we have learned. God is not asking any difficult task from us. He just wanted to say, live your next six days as you believe in me. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your blessings, for your care, for the opportunity you gave to us to be at your house today. Lord, take us back to our homes, safe, but especially, O oh Lord, for, for this coming week. Help us, O oh Lord, to, to be a, a good representative of you, O oh Lord, that people be attracted to you, that people glorify your name, O oh Lord, and help us that we open our eyes to see what you have prepared and also to answer yes to your calling, Lord. Stay with us, stay with every family here represented and also with those who are watching online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.